Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 209, and today I'm real excited. So I've got a special guest that I'm going to be sharing with you today. I'm going to be sharing with you the man that has taught me how to hustle and never give up in life and business. And you guys may or may not know who this is. You might think you know, and you might be right. Well, his name is Wally Volker. He's my dad, also known as Papa V. He kind of got that nickname at the Denver event. He was there with me when I spoke at the Rocky Mountain Resellers Conference and at the TAS Breakthrough Live event. Met a lot of you there, and uh, yeah, everyone was kind of calling him Papa V. So really excited to have him on. Uh, We're going to be talking all about just what I feel he was really great at teaching me, and then also some of the twists and turns in his journey, and that what uh, you know taught him and and kind of brought him to where he is today, and also all those lessons that he was able to transfer over to me. I think you're going to enjoy this because you're going to see that you can even scale an egg route business. Pretty crazy on how he did that stuff. So I'm going to stop talking now so you can enjoy this interview that I did recently with the one and only Papa V my dad. Enjoy the interview. All right, everyone. Welcome. The man that uh, I talked about a little bit earlier. He's known as Wally Voker. He's known as Papa V. And uh, he's known also as my dad. So dad, welcome to the Amazing Seller Podcast. What's up? Thank you, son. <laughs> oh, not much. Not well, much. you're actually out. you're just hanging out in the basement. So we got That's we got all. Papa V here visiting, and he's in the basement right now. So he's down yeah. there, and uh, I'm upstairs. So that way, there we don't we don't conflict our uh, our signals. But uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, yeah, so I invited uh, Papa V on here to kind of go back and uh, in time a little bit. We can kind of dig into some of the lessons learned through my life, and uh, I wanted to kind of dig into a lot of the things that you've done, Dad's through through the process because you've uh you've had quite a life and uh Uh, we don't have enough time for that yeah i know we don't but uh, we're going (laughs) to condense this but uh you know uh, a lot of people were able to meet you in denver when we were out there and uh, a lot of people uh just said oh man it was really great to meet your dad and you know i I love your story on episode 125 where you talk a little bit about your dad but you know it'd be really cool to kind of hear the entire story so that's what I want to do here. I want to dig in a little bit to your, I guess, your growing up and kind of what made you into the hard worker that you are and then kind of like how I picked up on those lessons going through those. So you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's give it a whirl. And it was funny. Let's just say yesterday I came out in the out of my office and I said to uh, to my father, I said, hey, you want to do an episode on the podcast tomorrow? And he kind of looked at me like a deer in headlights. And, uh, and he was like, well, yeah, okay. You know, and I said, it's just going to be you and me talking. It's no big deal. There's just going to be, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15,000 people listening, but it's no big deal. And uh, <laughs> so uh, you've never been much of a public speaker or have you, Dad? No, not really. No, <laughs> I just voice my opinion to who, who's ever in front of me. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's just kind of go back a little bit. Talk a little bit about your growing up. Uh, you, you know, kind of like, I mean, you grew up with how many brothers and sisters? Was nine, right? Well, we had, I had seven brothers and two sisters. Okay. And the five actually that grew up with me because, uh, Two were stillborn, and they were twins. Okay, and right, and I remember I, that story. I, I, I never knew them. Right, okay. Okay, but I mean, so, okay, so you had how many brothers? Can I forget how many uncles I have? 
Uh, five. Well, right now? <laughs> no, not right now. How many did we oh. have? Yeah, I had, I had seven that, that I, I grew up with. Okay. Including myself. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And okay. So and then, you know, your father uh, basically was running a farm and, uh, and obviously you kids, you guys worked hard, right? I mean, so what was your, what was your life as like, let's say like, uh, I guess like a 10, 11, 12 year old, like what, what were you doing in the mornings and, and kind of after well, school and stuff? Well, to start off with at six years old, I, I had my first job, which was to bring wood in for the wood stove. Right. And I had, I had to do that every day. Right. And, uh, then, uh, then as time went on, uh, we moved to a new school, which had a cafeteria. And uh, I kind of wanted to uh, buy my lunch, okay. like everybody else. Yeah. We had to pack a brown bag. And by the way, I had to bring my brown bag home so I could use it again the next day. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, I said uh, to my dad, I said, you know, can I have a quarter a week? So I can just buy my lunch one day a week. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, no, sorry, but I can't afford it right now. Quarter a day. Yep. Quarter a day. I said, okay. I didn't argue with my father back then. So time went on and I come home from school one day and dad says to me, come with me. I got something for you. And I said uh, to myself, I said, "Uh oh, what's he got now? For me to do. Right. So uh, he took me out in the, the old hen house we had, and uh, he had bought me 100 old hen chickens for 10 cents a piece and a bag of land mash for $3.25. And he says, there is your allowance. What you have to do is get on your bicycle, go to the nearest town, get some customers, and sell eggs. And how, how old were you at this point? I was 11. 11. 11 years old. And uh, I was a little, uh, you know, apprehensive about it. And I didn't know exactly what was, what was going to happen. And I didn't want to go and greet and meet people and ask them if they wanted to buy eggs. And uh, so I said, well, I've got to give it a whirl. So otherwise he's going to doubt me. And so I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. So I got on my bicycle, went down to my nearest old town, which was Round Lake, which had probably back then maybe a thousand people. And I started going door to door. I got myself about five customers that wanted one or two dozen of eggs a day or a week. And uh, I said, hey, that's going pretty good. So I figured that's probably all that I would probably have you know i didn't know how much i was how many i was going to get I didn't right. know how many eggs right so to make a long story short it was uh it was, I, I got about three four a day and i was getting about 20 dozen a week wow and uh i had to you know which average there you know, i've someone for 50 cents a dozen i uh, made a box for the back of my bike i uh loaded the you know the eggs in there i had about 10 dozen i would take down and uh I would, I would do this once a week and that uh, was mostly Saturdays because I was off from school and our Sunday, if I, if I couldn't get there on a Saturday because of bad weather or whatever. So anyway, uh, I was doing okay. I was uh, making quite a lot of money, but time went on and the, the old hens were getting older mm-hmm. and I needed to get more chickens, uh, younger ones. 
So we ordered 100 straight-run chicks from Montgomery Wards. Now, straight-run means... <laughs> Montgomery mean, Wards. I yeah, and they, and they came in the mail. Oh, came wow. in the mail. And they had a big crate, and they delivered them to the front door, and they oh, had all holes punching the side, and they had all these chickens in there peeping away. And uh, straight run means that uh, you get you, you get roosters and and chicks. Okay. And and uh, you don't know what 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 the petition. You know, usually it runs fifty percent, but sometimes it's forty sixty, sometimes it's sixty forty. It just depends. Right. But anyway, uh, my father had a brooder, and we brought it in the house, and we had it next to our refrigerator. Stood about as high as the refrigerator, about as big as the refrigerator, and it had it had fours on it. And each four, we had probably 25 chickens. Okay. And uh, we'd keep them there in the kitchen for about six weeks. And then we'd take them out to what we called a brooder house, which I had made in the meantime. And uh, we had a little light over, a hot heat lamp to keep them warm because it was in the wintertime. And uh, anyway, they grew. And uh, that's kind of like the start of my, my chicken farm. So how, how, how old were you there? There, I was probably 12, 13, 14, probably, probably 13. Okay. Because I had those two old hens about two years and they started really petering out and they, they were just getting too old to lay, lay eggs. Right. And, uh, they were, so, so anyway, uh, it was, I was about probably 13. Okay. And, uh. I paid for them myself. I had enough money to pay for them myself, buy them, and to buy them the starter mash, they called it, because if you couldn't give them land mash, you had to have a starter mash you had to buy. And that was like, well, it was like four bucks a bag. So, I mean, it was, there was an expense. Yeah, it was an investment, right? It was an investment. And, uh, you know, I kind of, my eyeballs got big because, uh, you know, I saw money. I said, boy, I'm going to have 100, 100, or I'm going to have 50 chicks, actually. So I asked my dad, can I, can I buy another 100? So I did. I bought another hundred, and before long, by the time I was to make a long story short, by the time I was twenty-one years old, I had twelve hundred chickens. I built two new chicken coops, and um, I uh, I had uh, three commercial routes. I had a brand new Econoline van that I bought, and I called myself Wally's Cackleberries, <laughs> and uh, and I was doing pretty good. Well, what, what, what's pretty good? I mean, I kind of know the story because obviously I've heard it a few well, times, but what, what, what were you bringing in? I was bringing in about $200 a week. And this is back when? This is in 1961, 62. That's pretty good money back then, right? Well, yeah, yeah. The people working at General Electric was making probably $60 a week. Oh my gosh. And, uh, they were working the machines and, you know, so, so you, you were living large. Yeah, I was I, I was doing well. I, I was doing well, and uh, I opened a bank account, savings account, and uh, you know started uh, started my investing there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, I, I love that story too because you kind of took something that your father said. Well, I, I want some lunch money, but you yeah. know and you're like, well, if you want it, you got to earn it, and then kind of mm-hmm. got you your start. You found a way to to scale that business, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you seen potential, and then then you started to scale that business. And yeah. I, I kind of always got to go back to just anything that I've ever done, um, and, and kind of learning through the process is that you know you got to right. start and then you scale. You know, and that's right. And you scale the chicken business from a couple yeah. hundred uh, chicks to 1,200. Um, right. But you know. I, didn't, I didn't only have chickens. Uh, when the summertime, I also had a truck garden. 
which I added to my egg route. And I, like I said, I had three commercial routes and I also had house to house routes, you know, non-commercial. Sure. And I, I'd bring sweet corn, tomatoes, cantaloupes, right. cucumbers. I mean, if, there, if there's one thing that I, I remember even just growing up and, and we'll, we'll dig into the, you know, how you transitioned out of that and stuff. But the one thing that I can always remember, I guess, is, is that you were never not working. Right. There was never a time that you weren't like hustling uh, to uh, to make ends meet or to allow us to be able to eat. uh, You know, when we talk about this kind of funny now is like be able to eat once uh, in a while at McDonald's. Like for us growing up, like that was a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can get Mm -hmm. anything on the menu. Kind of thing. Oh sure. sure. Uh, you know nowadays. Know what you want. Yeah. No. You know now. Nowadays, it's it's uh, it's commonplace, right? I mean, oh, yeah. but um, but you know, and just watching you. I mean, through us. I mean, you know, you had you know jobs that that came came and went, but then you were always always out there finding additional ways to make that that extra income. It meant you had to put in more hours because there wasn't like the internet and stuff like that. But there was there was definitely ways out there for people to make money. And people that are just starting right now in this business and in the Amazon space, I get people all the time. Like I just don't have enough money to start. Well, I always go back to the people that I interview that say, I started with a hundred bucks and I bought something off of Craigslist and I doubled my money. And then I started to, you know, invest that money back into that business. And it's kind of going into your, your chicken, uh, farm, you know, it's like you're, you found something that kind of worked and then you reinvested that money to scale. Um, and again, that's just stuff that I've learned throughout watching you and, and seeing you just growing up that there was always that work ethic there um, that I think is instilled into me. I mean, going back to every Sunday, you and I split in wood, right? I mean, oh, we, yeah. we split wood uh-huh. to heat our house. I mean, I seen the yeah. value of that, um, uh-huh. you know, growing up and uh, a lot of that stuff isn't instilled into into kids. And I think there's no really education out there that can really teach you that. It's just, you know, kind of like hard work, you know, and seeing it firsthand. Um, let, let's move into now. Okay. So now you're doing pretty well, um, at at doing that. Now you get drafted. Yep. The Uh, VA had the, um, the, uh, army drafted me and, uh, I didn't want to go to the army because the Vietnam was going pretty, pretty heavy at the time. And my, uh, father and my brothers were saying, Hey, you know, the, you know, the, you really don't want to go in the army. If you didn't get in the Navy, it would be better. So I hightailed it down to the Navy recruiter. And I said to him, I says, I just got a draft notice in the mail today. What can you do about it? And he says, well, it looks like you were here yesterday. So he kind of backdated it and I, I joined the Navy. And And how old were you here? I was 22. You were 22. And just to kind of, cause people don't know the story, but, and not to kind of go through all the nitty gritty, but you know, you were the last, the last son on the farm still helping yep. your father. Yeah. And I got deferred for a few years because of that, because, but because the Vietnam was demanding people. Okay. They, uh, I didn't know that part of the story. They overlooked it. Okay. Yeah, I was just deferred a couple because I was my father's only working son for right. the farm. Right. So, and, and again, you, you leaving your father, you felt kind of guilty, but in the same breath, you kind of felt relieved, correct? Yeah, you're right. Cause I was, I, you know, I figured I was going to be there until I died Yeah. or until he did. Yep. And it was just, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I felt trapped. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then, then you went to the Navy. Let's, let's kind of graduate mm-hmm. to there real quick. You went yeah. into the Navy and my, my experience, um, with, with, uh, I guess, or my, my, uh, 
I guess, knowledge and kind of like different lessons that I learned from all your stories. And just to let people know, my father loves talking about the Navy stories and I love listening to him. But after you hear him 10 times, you can reset, you can tell them exactly. So, um, you know, dad loves to talk about his Navy stories and, you know, he's proud of them and I I would be too. Uh, I mean, you went to a, a, you know, a lot of different uh, countries and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was part of your, a part of your, uh, your background. And I think it built, you know, kind of your character and stuff. But the one thing that I, I, I always hear, and I think it's awesome, and I think uh, it just, again, proves your hustle, is you were on the ship making mm-hmm. money outside of the Navy. Yep. <laughs> so I, we got to talk about that because uh, there's some oh, pretty- I had, a, I had a lot of free time, and, yeah. and I couldn't just sit around. I had to do something. Right. So I bought a sewing machine, and I started sewing patches on when people made rank for a buck and a quarter or something like that a person and I got known throughout the ship for a while. And then I had more business. I knew I had to turn it away. Actually, I had too much, but, uh, I was content with that. And, uh, I also, I also had a large locker that was, uh, in my space that, that, uh, that was empty most of the time. So I decided I'd buy a bunch of, uh, snacks and, you know, like being a sausages, things that didn't spoil. And I stocked it up. I stocked it up with the Vienna sausages, crackers, and cheese, and you know, the M and M's, things like that. And uh, I filled it right to the top. So when we left for sea, you know, people wouldn't have to go down five, six decks because I was on an aircraft carrier, right? And uh, and get uh, you know to buy snacks from the store. I had them there, and I would uh, buy them for twenty-five cents and sell them for fifty. Right. So I double my money. Right. And then when they were gone, I'd buy cigarettes for a dollar a carton while I was out at sea. And then when, when I was in port, I wouldn't sell any, any uh, at sea. I'd only sell them when I got back in port. For, I'd sell them for $2. Right. You'd double your money. And then my money would, uh, the uh, the uh, PX was selling them for $2.40. Right. So you, you'd be, you'd be a little better deal. So, a so deal. yeah. So, so basically you would fill the locker before you left. You'd uh-huh. sell it all. You get to port. You'd restock with stuff that you could then sell back in, you know, on on, on home soil. Well, well, while, while I was at sea, I would I would fill it up with cigarettes. Right, right. And then when I got back in port, I'd sell the cigarettes. Right. And then when I got one out again, deployed again, we I loaded up with with my geedunks, like we call them geedunks, and uh, I'd be ready to sell again. And then because you had some money here, and I don't even know if we should be saying this live, but we're going to say it anyway. <laughs> So then, right? So then, this is a great story. So then, yeah. then what you would do is you would take some of that money and people would hit you up. They'd be like, hey, we don't get paid for two weeks or a month, whenever yep. you guys got paid. Uh-huh. You're like, can, can you float me 50 bucks? Yep. And then you'd uh-huh. float them 50 bucks and then you'd wait at the, in the line uh-huh. as they would get paid and you'd collect your, your interest. Well, most of, most of the time it was, uh, it was like $5 for seven. Okay. That was my rate. Yeah. And then most time, most of the time they'd buy, they'd borrow $10, maybe 15. Okay. You know, but the, the going rate was five. For, and I had a little book I kept, my last name being Volker. Yep. I was last in line to be paid. So everybody in front of me got paid first. So I went in front of the line where they come out folding that we got paid in cash. And everybody had the cash in their hand. Hey buddy, you owe me 14 bucks or you owe me 21. And, and people in the, in the higher ranks didn't care that you were doing that stuff? No, no, they were doing it too. I, I, I even lent to some of the officers. <laughs> I did. 
They knew where they knew where where to come. <laughs> they, they they knew where to go to get the goods. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, the officers see, I had to trust them a little more because they got paid differently. Okay. And so I had uh, I I kind of only only a few that I knew. Right. I would I wouldn't if I didn't know them I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. Okay. Um, okay. So again, let's let's kind of recap on that, right? So again, mm-hmm. me hearing these stories growing up. Guys that are that are listening and, and women that are listening to this, uh, you know this this is what I'm hearing, right? I'm hearing these stories. I'm hearing about the chicken story. I'm hearing about the Navy story, uh, and I'm seeing that my father's out there and he's he's hustling, right? He's finding ways to supplement his income and to make more so he can have more for his family and and to be able to to stock it away for a rainy day and all that stuff. Uh, that that's the stuff that I remember hearing, and it's just been ingrained in my head that there's always a way. People that are on the side of the road that are looking for a handout, I get it. You know, some people are, are you know, out on hard times. I get it. Me personally, I'd have too much pride and I would find a way, whether it's working for someone to rake their lawn, which I've done as a kid, by the way. I've uh-huh. mowed lawns for five bucks. I've I've done all that. Snow shovel, um, you know, plant, uh, you know, clean someone's car, whatever it was. Um, I was always doing it again because I seen you do it and I seen uh-huh. that that's the way that you did it. You didn't just ask for a handout. Um, and if you did ask for a handout, there was always like, if you give me that, I'll do this. Right. So it's, there's always a trade um, in there. Um, so, again, I mean, just people listening, if you're thinking to yourself, well, now right now is not the time because I don't have the money to get started to me it's it's an excuse and i don't want to be you know rude or or blunt on that but i'm going to be because i think there's always a way um you just have to get out there and figure out the way that you're going to be able to do it and get started so there's my there's my little rant there but okay let's move into now you're in the navy and yep. obviously you meet you know mom my mother uh-huh. and then you decided to get out of the navy and not sign again because you didn't want to have that traveling life is that correct? Well, yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, um, it, it wasn't me so much. It was more your mother, but. Oh, okay. Um, so she I, had the I, upper hand in that case? I, I can understand. Well, yeah, I kind of agreed with her a little bit. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I don't want to be away from my family either. Right. You know, so I'd be out to sea and she'd be home alone with you guys. And I But now, that. but now, okay. So, and, and now looking back, I hear you a lot of times and we have this in, in a situation right now, right? Alexis, your granddaughter, my daughter, she's getting married to someone in the Navy, yep. right? And I know that you have beliefs and so does, I think his, his parents have beliefs that you should stick it out for 20 years because you can get that pension. But now well, even knowing what you know now and the life that you created for me now, you still say that you would want someone to stay in for 20 years. Is that still the case? Do you believe that or has your mind changed or... What's no, the- I, 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 I believe it. If you're a single person, and if you're if you've got a wife that wants to travel with you, yeah. If you're if you're in the army, for instance, you will get a lot of land based stuff. You know, you, they take you with it. But if in the navy, you got to deploy for now. It's nine months, I think, and it was nine months when I was in there. But they dropped it to six months, and then yeah. I guess it's back to nine. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know. The only reason why I say is stay, stay in there for 20 years after 20 years, you, you got a pension and it's a pretty good one. I got a, I got a, a nephew who, who retired as a chief and he's got a nice, nice pension. Right. But here, but, here's, uh, here's my and here's, you got hospitalization as well. Right. But here's my thing. Right. And you know me, right. I'm not about trying to work for something that I might not ever receive. Right. If I'm going to lose that time, 
right? I'm right, going to lose that right. time with my family, my loved ones. What if I uh-huh. die in 19 years? I hate to say that, but yeah, I'd rather work it for it happen. now. I'd rather hustle now and sure. live for it now. And I mean, I know, um, you know, Cam- I agree Cam- with I, that. you know, Cameron, who who is going to be, you know, my son-in-law, you know, I, I understand family is very important to him. And so is it to Alexis. So for those two, I think they got to make their own decision. That's first off. But the second thing is, is, is I know that he's a smart guy. He's actually going to be, right. he's as a nuke. So he's going to be you know, more of an engineer. Right. He's going to have right. headhunters looking for him. So he's not going to have a problem finding work. Um, I agree with that. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's a little side tangent for people. That's a, that was a little discussion we just had here live, uh, which actually, we didn't have time actually, to talk about. To stay in the, the military is basically, to me, it's no, I'm not prejudiced or anything, but it's, a, it's, it's for a person that really don't want to work. Yeah. You know, they, they're happy with uh, their, their 40 hour week or. I was going to say, they, they, they want to get a paycheck. Know, they want to get a paycheck mm-hmm. and uh, they don't want to, you know, they know their job and. I think it's to each its own. I, I really do. Um, right. All right, let's move into the General Electric days. So now you you went, and we're not going to go through all of your other stuff because you've done a bunch no. of other things in between no. there. But you went to General Electric, which was a really good company around here, right? It was booming. And if yep. you got in GE, you were kind of in, right? You kind of got in. You then again, you could work there for 10, 11 years, and then you locked in a, as a pension and and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And that's really where you were kind of heading with that particular job. You got in. You got it. You actually took a cut and pay to go there because you mm-hmm. you thought that you were going to be able to make that a career um, and get all the benefits and all that stuff. But then they started laying people off. And why don't you talk a little bit about how you were, again, working at General Electric, but then how you were doing this little side business with a guy in uh, installing like aluminum windows. Yep. I met a, a, a guy there who had connections with a, a window and door factory. And uh, he had worked there before he worked General Electric. Mm-hmm. And he knew the owners there. And, uh, you know, they didn't sell to everybody, but he said they would sell to him. So uh, we started a small window and door business where we were advertising near time clocks in GE. I'd make a, make a hand-drawn, because we didn't have a computer, a hand-drawn uh, advertisement and hang it up there and, uh, and, and uh, put a phone number. And if you wanted windows and doors, uh, so, you know, aluminum windows, storm windows, and storm doors, that's all. Yep. Uh, we just wanted to do a little bit after through, from three to dark. And, uh, so basically you're just there to make, make some extra money on the side, make some, make some extra money doing that. So, so we did that. Yep. And I remember uh, those days. Yep. Yeah. We did that until I got laid off. I had a little Datsun pickup truck. I remember that it was red. Yeah. You made the roof racks at general electric too, by the way, I think. Yeah. I made that. (laughs) (laughs) The scrap yard. Don't worry, dad. No one's going to come after you now. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I bought it. I I bought it by the pound. (laughs) I cut it all out the size I wanted and took it over to the scrapyard and turned it in and I bought it. Yeah. I said, well, I can I'll buy this. And they said, okay, how much? And I said, well, about eight cents a pound. So I think I, I think it was about eight, eight bucks, something like that. Yeah. For the rack. I had it already to assemble. I just assembled it on my truck, folded it together. I had a holes drilled in it. I was all ready to go. Yeah, you were, you had a work truck now. I had a work truck for yep. my ladders and and I remember too you had the uh, the the stickers that you buy in the in the, in the they're, they're, you still can get them they're just the square block letters that you buy in like a oh, yeah. a hardware store and it said yeah. M and W and it was like window Alum- or no it was like aluminum yeah. sales right uh, M and W aluminum sales that that was the first the, the first version of that company mm-hmm. yeah and and okay so 
Okay, so for people to understand, right? I mean, he, here, you know, my father's working a 40-hour week, not hard at General Electric. That truly you were not working hard. You were actually trying to find things to do because your your foreman was saying, hey, whoa, 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 slow down. We only need to get 200 of these done. You just did 200 in the first hour. Calm down, slow down. Then you'd have to go get lost for a little while. Yeah, or um, we cut air. <laughs> so, cut air on our, on our saws. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so you had to, uh, so basically from there on on the side, now you were you were still doing stuff, and I think you were saying too before you always liked the second shift because you could then work your your seven to yeah. or no it was you would you could get out at what was it eleven o'clock sleep and then get up work and then yeah. uh, and then you could go to work. <laughs> that, that was when I worked second shift. Yeah, right. I wasn't in the aluminum business then. Okay, it took me a few years to get days. Okay, and then when I was working second shift, I did like that. Okay. I was, I was working at a hardware store. Okay. In the mornings. Okay. And they all put wallpapering for them. And yeah, I remember that, that too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I did that uh, up until I had to go to work. Which yeah, was, I, I don't ever remember you working one job. No, no, I always had a. I always had. You had always. You always had something going on at the on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean that. I can't. I kind of think that even goes back to you know my grandfather, your father. I mean, mm-hmm. he was 80 years old, still splitting wood, or 78 yep. years old, whatever it was, still splitting wood and selling wood for you mm-hmm. know 150 bucks delivered or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I still remember uh, him doing the same thing and kind of instilled that into you, and then you instilled right. that into me, and and here we are. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the business, right? The the business that you and him started, but then you both got laid off. And just to kind of lead people through quickly so we can get to yeah. the meat of it. But yeah. you 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 basically you and him started out then full time doing more than just aluminum windows. You were doing replacement windows, doors, any any really type of thing that had to do with windows and doors mm-hmm. um and all that stuff. And then and I was even helping you I believe mom was even helping you at yeah. uh, at a couple of different locations because you got a couple yeah. of big jobs, and I was helping unpack the windows and then bring them to the ladder so then you guys could put them up and all that stuff. And yeah. I was getting paid a little bit of money, and I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I again, I was working you know a six seven hour day for you back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, you you kind of said to me one time I was working just out of high school. I was only eighteen, just about nineteen maybe at that time. And you said to me, you said, you know, we're at, we're at this point now where we, we want to scale, but the only way we can scale is if we're not doing all the work because you and him were, were doing all the work. And, um, you asked yep. if I would be willing to come aboard and I had asked you for a job earlier than that. You turned me down because you said you didn't want to hire me until I had worked for another company or other people to see how it was to work for other people. That's right. And, uh, and so you'd always, you'd, you'd always ask yourself that question. Yeah, no, no, it's true. And I, I, I mean, but I, if going back though to, to myself, I, I, you know, I worked since I was, you know, 14, 15 years old, washing dishes yep. and then working at the ice cream shop and then working yep. at the Hamburg place. And so I was always doing my own thing. And, uh, just to let people know too, I, I bought my own car, um, with the help of my father. My father had a, uh, had a uh, credit card at the time was $3,000 credit card. And, uh, I asked if, uh, if I could get a car and I could pay him back and he offered to give me that card or the money on that card as long as I'd make the payments. And I did that. And I, I yep. think I paid it off in four years and I think I was paying back then. Mm-hmm. Like, gosh, I you were paying, paying for your own insurance. Yeah, that was the other thing too. You were very, very, uh, very strict on that. Yeah. You weren't going to put me on your policy. You were only going to allow me to have a car if I had my own insurance, which I did. I walked into and I still go by that same agency because I still live in the same town, which I'm going to be moving to South Carolina by the time this thing airs, maybe. Uh, Yeah, middle of June. I'm not sure when this will air. But um, 
yeah, I still go by that same agency that I walked into as a 16-year-old kid asking for my own insurance. And yeah. I paid for it, cash. Um, but uh, again, that that was a valuable lesson. And, and you're, you know, you didn't want it because you didn't want me to be on your insurance just in case I, I hurt someone. And even though, I mean, realistically, we can go back and say, well, they, they would have sued you anyway. Uh, you right. know, because I was your kid. And but was a, it was a lesson. It was a lesson. Yeah, it was. And it, it did it did teach me. Um, but, um, but yeah, so anyway, so going back to, to the conversation that you and I had and you were like, you know, I'll, I'll hire you, I'll pay you what you're making at the cable company that you're working for. And I had work, been working there for eight or nine months and I loved that, that company. It just didn't pay well. So really to start, you weren't paying me that well, but you were, you were paying me to learn is the way I looked at it is to learn a trade. And, uh, and then from there, hopefully I could take that. And my big vision at that time was, wow, I could get into this company and I could help him build it with his partner. And eventually, eventually I could own it. Right. And that was the big dream for me at a 19 year old. Kid. It was a goal. Right. Yeah, that was your why. That was my that was my my why your at the, at the time. Your want. Yeah. My, my well, my want. But my, my my why was to be able to have something that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that could help me have a, a really good job. So I could say I have a good job. Because back then I wasn't going to college. So all my friends are going to college, getting these supposedly these great jobs. I didn't have that, but I wanted to be able to say, I'm part owner of this company. Like, so that was my big thing. That why had changed as soon as I had kids and all that stuff. Um, but it did teach me a lot about business. So just to fast forward for people, I mean, we started that. I helped you. Um, we hired on uh, a good friend of mine, Jim uh, Jim Krill, uh, who actually uh, I still uh, talk to on a regular basis. Uh, he was a longtime friend and a family friend, and we hired him. And then we basically built that into a pretty sizable company. I think when you left, yeah. I mean, you were over a million and a half. I think we were touching almost two million in revenue at that time. Exactly. Um, and we were looking to scale it then. But man, oh, man, was it messy. Mm-hmm. It was messy, and I just heard your tone go down as soon as I said "messy." Yep, <laughs> and it was uh, not good. No, and 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 just to let people know, and, and I'll let you kind of expound on that a little bit, but um, you know, it, it really did come down to partnerships, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to be careful picking a partner. That's one thing. Yeah, partnerships can be good if you can trust each other. Got to trust each other. Don't judge who's working more for the, in the business. You can't do that either. And, you know, you just gotta, you you know, you just gotta. I think you gotta know that person really well. Well, you gotta treat each other as an employee. That's what you gotta do. You know, that, that, that's a big nugget right there. That's right. Because you gotta treat like it's a business. It's a business, you know, and you can't just take money that comes into business and uh, use it for your personal use without uh, paying bills. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the biggest problems I had with it with a partner. That was one of the biggest things that I seen too. Uh, but I, I seen other things. I, I seen other things like we actually had someone come in, and you probably remember this. We had a guy come in, a consultant in business. Yes, I remember that. Right, and we had him come in. And it was funny because, and just to kind of give people the, the, the high level view of this, right? We had myself, my father, we had his partner, we had my, my buddy from high school. Um, we had, uh, uh, probably at that time, probably six or seven other installers. We also had, um, uh, my 
my father's partner's wife as the secretary. We mm-hmm. also had uh, their daughter as, mm-hmm. I don't even know what, like they made a job that was like um, yeah. a helper of the secretary. I, I don't yeah, know. It right. was a way for her to get paid. Uh, again, you guys can hear how, how we start getting a little bit sour here because these are the things that happened. Her husband then was hired, which was a whole nother crazy oh. thing that happened there with, uh, you know, finances and starting to dip in and not telling people about it. And it just got really, really ugly, really messy. It could have been a very, very big business. And the one thing that really stood out was, and kind of going back to that consultant, is when your partner or yourself don't want to look at things in in real, like real time, like as far as like what's really happening, and you don't want to expose that stuff because it's too painful, because you don't want to admit that you're taking money from the company or you're not working as much as everyone else you know, you're never going to grow. And that's really what I seen is that we brought this guy in that Mm -hmm. he was going to come in and he interviewed everybody. He watched what was happening in the workings throughout three, four days. And then he come back into your office and you and him sat down and your partner wasn't that happy. No, he didn't want to change. He wanted everything to go just the way it was going, which was downhill. Yeah. Well, he didn't, he didn't want to have to pay for his own vacation. No. He didn't didn't want to pay for his own gas. No, that's right. Absolutely. Right. He didn't want to, uh, you know, a cash deal that comes in, didn't Mm -hmm. want to, you know, split it up amongst the two. Right. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's like when it's general one-on-one business, right? It's like if, if you're paying for a product and you are selling it, well, Mm -hmm. there's costs that go into getting that product sold. I mean, all the way down to the pencils that the secretary is using. That's right. Absolutely. Right. And I remember you really um, wanted to be able to treat everything as a business, but the minute yep. that you would, you'd have resistance and then it would just be a big blow up. Uh, yeah, that's right. And I got tired of it. It just, and so I, I basically, I, I upped and left. Well, yeah. And kind of to let people know, they know my story. Episode 125 mm-hmm. is that, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of came to you and said, you know, to dad, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving, you know, Lisa mm-hmm. and I, my wife, uh, are thinking about starting a, a part-time photography business. And, you know, well, actually we had started it already and I was, we were already starting to get up and running and, and we were starting to have some success with that. And I said, I think I'm going to take a chance and leave. And you were like, by all and means, that was my, that was my cue. And that was your cue because right. you told me later that I was kind of feel, you were feeling kind of like you needed to stay for me. I did. Yeah. Uh, that was exactly right. Yeah. I wanted to keep you on the, on the payroll. Right. I wanted to keep you in, but, but seeing how you went beyond that, that was great. Yeah. No. And it was kind of where you could take a deep breath. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I said, I, I said, you know, now I, now I got the opportunity to. And that was one of the best days of my life, by the way, is being mm-hmm. able to walk into that office yeah. and basically say that I no longer had to work here because your partner didn't ever believe that I could do anything on my own. He was a doubter. He was uh-huh. a hater. Um, he was someone that, uh, you know, just didn't want other people to have success. And I know I've talked about this to people, uh, you know, on the podcast and even privately, like, you know, you are the average of the five people that you hang around with. And, you know, we were hanging right. around with some poison there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it, again, it's, it's, and me too. And, and you too. And, and anyone that is sitting here thinking to themselves that they've already created their path, they've already created their, their, uh, 
you know, their destiny, you know, you can't think like that because I am perfect proof of it. Uh, you know, my father here sitting here talking about his stories as, as starting with a chicken uh, business and then uh, going into the Navy and having another side business and then doing GE and then going into another side business. There's always doors that can be open as long as you move forward and, and just learn and, and go through that process. Uh, there's just so much that you can do, but I learned a ton from that and I wouldn't trade, um, that time in that business watching you and him because it taught me about partnerships. It taught uh -huh. me about how to not run a business, not on your part. I thought every time that, that, and you always say this when they would go away for a month or, or so on a vacation, um, you would start running everything on that end of it and things would start to get back on track. Everything, everything got back on track. We were making money. We were working good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, employees and were happy. Everybody was happy. Yeah, everybody was happy. You know, and, yeah. uh, but I, again, I, I, I wouldn't change any of that because I think it, it taught me a lot of lessons, uh, mm -hmm. about business. It taught me, um, I mean, you know, you and I, pe people that don't know, you know, like my father and I worked together actually installing things for probably right. the first year, year and a half. Cause you, you, mm -hmm. you kind of taught me all that stuff. And, you know, it's not easy working with someone like your father that you're a, a lot alike. Right. Mm -hmm. And we both, oh, yeah. and we both think that we can do things a little bit differently and you still do that to me and I still do it to you. It's like mm -hmm. one of those things that you have your way and you and I joke about it now. We're kind of like, you know, I, I got it. I've done this before. <laughs> right. Uh, I got to laugh. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and and it, it's all good. But, uh, you know, I mean, you really taught me a trade that, I mean, honestly, to this day, I could tomorrow go out there and make a living in that if I needed to. Right. Right. That's, right. It's there. Right. And that's something that you can't mm -hmm. teach in college. You can't teach unless you actually no. do it. That's um, right. And I think also, you know, you taught me about just dealing with people and, and you know, how that uh, you have to be good to people, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's in business or outside of business, because you're only going to get with what you put in. Mm -hmm. You know, True. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I totally I totally uh, believe that. And I think that uh, it was a huge lesson. So let me ask you this. Looking back, is mm -hmm. there anything that you would change? in your life that if you can go back and kind of do a well, little, little time machine only, travel. The only thing I would change is, I guess, uh, you know, I, you know, I was happy with in the, the window and door business. I, I would be, you know, I, I, I pick a different partner. I would have done that if I <laughs> right. had a partner or have no partner, right? Probably have no partner would, would be the best, best way. And maybe hire a, uh, uh, a salesman, uh, instead of, a instead of having, depending on a partner. Um, because, uh, yeah, so you gotta be careful there. It's just, it can go downhill quick. Yeah. So I, again, and I think, so anybody that's listening, that's thinking about partnerships or that's in partnerships, is there any, mm -hmm. any advice that you would, you would give them? Yeah. You gotta know them, you gotta yeah. know that partner and you, you gotta trust them and, 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 and you, you just gotta know, know them. You, you can't just go in there blind. You gotta be, gotta treat each other like. Like an employee, like I said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Give, and, and you both have to have a specific job. You can't think that uh, your partner's doing more than you are or you're doing part more than they are. Mm. You both have to have your own jobs to do and you got to do them. Yeah. That, that's it, basically. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think pe people with partnerships, it's like, you know, if you're going to do it, definitely have clear roles as to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think you need to have that open, you need to know that that person's open to grow. Right. And that's the one thing I think with your partner was not open to grow. They just wanted to buy something nope. for a hundred and sell it for two exactly. and thinking that that was always Thank going to work. 
not going to always work. No. As you scale and you have more mm-hmm. mouths to feed, things change. You got to get more money. Yeah. You, you got to come from someplace. It's got to come from someplace. And, mm-hmm. and man, I, I think about it now, Dad, that, you know, if I knew what I know now and we were in business and our business was was right now, you know, we were still in that business and we had all of the resources we had with social media, I, I would be so excited to be the head of that department. Oh, yeah. Because, you I know, did. as is what I've been doing the past nine years online, and you're always like, mm-hmm. you know, saying to yourself, like, this is this is great. You know, I mean, look at you. I mean, look what you're doing. Right. And right. like, think about I could I could have taken this information and applied it to that business and we could have blew up. Oh, I know. it. You know what I, I mean? Absolutely, like exponentially. Absolutely. And, I, and I guess that's maybe that's one one thing I do regret is is not having the business solely by myself, being the mm. sole proprietor. Mm. And then as you grew up. Yeah came into the business and, and it, you know, we probably still would have been there. Oh yeah. I, I, I think we, we, we probably would. And that, and that, that's why I think, you know, because of that situation, it led me to want to get out and it wanted you to get out. So again, that, that, that we, we transitioned right, right. In, in a different exactly. way. We, we pivoted because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we did that. So I, I think it's, I think it's, it's part of it's part of the plan, right? It, it's yep. part of the plan. But like I said, if we were still there, I think we could have had a profitable business. We could have had assets. We could have mm-hmm. sold and exited that business for probably seven, eight figures. Yes. You, you know what I mean? I, I really do believe that. But hey, you know what? We, we learned a ton through that process. We're both happy right now. Happy so now. Oh, it, yeah. It, that, that's all that matters. And to me, it's all about the freedom. It's about the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's about having you here with me now. You're in the basement, but you know, we're sitting here talking. We're traveling together a little bit. You know, you, you came to Denver with me. You're going to Miami with me. Um, we're moving closer so we can be together longer. And to me, it's all about it's all about being present now. And, and as I get older, I'm starting to see that more. And I know you do as well. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's uh, wrap this up. I guess what I want to just kind of cover here real quick and kind of tell you publicly, like, you know, what you've taught me and what my takeaways are is that hard work pays off. Work yeah. ethic and consistency is huge. And I think that that's a skill anyone can have is work ethic mm-hmm. and consistency. I mean, you agree? I agree. hundred yeah. percent. And yeah. I always did. Yeah. And I think the other thing, like I had already said, being good to people, I think everyone wins. And, um, the other thing that you taught me is how to be a good father and be a great, you know, a great person to my kids and to be in their lives and, and, uh, and, and those morals, uh, you know, you always kind of, you, you were, you were allowing me to be free to go out and do what I wanted, but you also allowed me, um, to make those mistakes to learn from within reason. You know, there was certain situations you'd be like, you know, here's what you got to think about if you're going to go down that line and then it would make me think and then I would not want to maybe do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing you told me too, you're like, uh, you know, this is in, in kind of like the partying days, right? Like when I was a younger kid, 17, 18 years old, you're like, you know, listen, that's fine. You want to go out there, you can do that. But just understand this. If you're at a party and one person has drugs and you get busted, guess what? You're busted too. That's so right. you kind of instilled those types of things. And now I instill those into my kids. That's um, right. Absolutely. You, know, you know what I mean? And and I got to say, it, it it definitely makes a huge difference. And I can see that even with with other people, which I won't bring up that are in our family, not in, in my side, but, you know, other sides, there's other, you know, things that you, you can see that it's just, it's constantly being kind of just like, tr- you know, traded down or, or you know, like mm-hmm. passed down because that's what they know. And it's right. so important to number one, have a mentor, have, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone you hire, whether it's a coach, whatever it yep. is 
to be able to have that person that can that can help you and 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 lead you down the right path. So right. Um, so again, want to say uh, thank you. And one little quick story, Dad. Um, I, I don't think I shared this with you, but you know this already. Um, you know, my father growing up when I was in middle school and high school, and again, this is stuff that you don't really appreciate then, but you appreciate now. And I can see kind of things is that I do now are because of what you did um, is, you know, my father made breakfast for me every morning. And I'll never forget it. I'd sit at the table and you'd have the breakfast ready. Sometimes you'd have a lid on it, right? Like a, like a top of a pan. All the time because you were late. Yeah. Cause I, cause I was late. (laughs) (laughs) What? You mean I didn't get up in the morning? You didn't like to. (laughs) And was that the time that you came in with washcloths and you'd slap me in the face with washcloths? Probably a number of times. (laughs) That's all I remember, right? It's just (laughs) Scott. Scott, come on, come on, on. I'd be like, all right, I'm up. I'd close my eyes and roll over. Now I got to say my son, Scotty, he, he's, he's right up. I just touch him twice and he's up. So I, he doesn't take after me in that, in that uh, respect, except for now I'm an, I'm an early bird. I get up six o'clock every single day. So it's no big deal, but uh, it was for school. I didn't want to get up for school. Uh, I didn't like school, but, um, I, I just didn't, just didn't enjoy that. But, uh, um, but anyway, so you always had the breakfast ready for me and I didn't appreciate it then. I appreciate it now. I always remember too, you were reading the newspaper across the way in your work uniform. You had your, you know, your shirt they had for the business. You would sit there, yeah. you'd read the paper. We'd have a little bit of conversation, you know, but then I'd be off to school and go, but that was the start of my day every single day. Yeah. And, um, and I'll never forget that. That was just, that was great. And now moving forward, I've since done that for all of my kids, except Kayla now is a little bit different. My wife usually gets her and Lisa gets her uh, breakfast most mornings. But I, when my, uh, when, when Alexis was young and Scotty, they would come to the table and I'd always be cooking them breakfast. And a, and a funny story, I did that to Alexis. And I don't know if I told you this, dad, but, um, I made her blueberries one morning in like oatmeal and she had it and she had to be only like 10 or 11 years old and she gets all done eating it and she, her lips were totally blue. She didn't want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> she goes. I'm never oh, yeah. eating blueberries again, ever. Well, well, well I eat blueberries and uh, and uh, and oatmeal every morning. And one morning recently, I'll just share this little story. I'm eating my cereal in front of my computer, and all of a sudden, I look at my keyboard and it's covered with blood. I thought, Oh boy! And I said, Man, I'm bleeding somewhere. So I have to go check my lips. I check my arm, my leg, or, you know, my body, upper body. And then I took a, I took a tissue and I started wiping it off and it was purple. Oh, I must've okay. bit down on a blueberry and, and it, it squirted, squirted out, out of my mouth there all over go. my keyboard. <laughs> I did not see it. And, oh, that's funny. So you panicked for a minute? I panicked. I panicked. I thought I was bleeding to death somewhere. Oh boy. It looked, it looked like blood laying there. <laughs> I didn't know where it came from. Oh, that's uh, funny. That's that's funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that, that was the blueberry story for Alexis. But uh, but yeah, so I, I, I've done that for them. I, I don't think they'll ever um, forget it. They, they, they will probably, I think, appreciate it as they get older. And then when they have their own kids, uh, because, yeah. you know, that's th- th- those are things that as you're a kid, you don't really you don't really realize are, how fortunate you are, are. We all are a reflection of our parents. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or a mentor. I, I, I know people that maybe they didn't have their, their family growing up. They had a, a grandparent or maybe it was someone that took care of them. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that I know uh, that came from you know rough backgrounds that have had that one person in their life that that they just know was their was their, you know, their guidance. Right. Uh, so, you know, anyone listening to just understand that, you know, what, whatever you're doing in life or if it's, uh, you know, business, 
anything, when you're helping someone else or leading by example, you're making an impact. And again, that's this podcast to me is, is all about that. And I know this podcast wasn't really tactical or wasn't strategy, but in the same breath, I think it's it's good to understand that you know you can learn from your experiences. And if you look back and kind of trace back some of your own steps, maybe some of the things that you failed at, but some of the things that you succeeded at, look at those and dissect them and see where uh, where those things happen and why they happen and what what was the uh-huh. what, what was the driving force behind it. Um, right. And I think you can reflect on that, and it could also open your eyes to other opportunities. And, and also make a note too that uh, I. I didn't succeed at all. Every business I, I tried. Oh no. You know, I, I had, I had a few failures along the way. The one that comes to mind is you've seen an infomercial for repairing vinyl seats. Do you remember that one? Oh yes. I remember that <laughs> one. I forgot about that. I, I invested. I, that's right. I forgot about that one. I, I lost on that one. I, I invested $250 in this vinyl kit that came in the mail. It was a big suitcase had all kinds of vinyl. I still have the suitcase, I think, with other stuff in it. We gutted probably, it out. Probably. But that <laughs> that didn't work out. I I went and did one job and I said, no. Nah, I, I, do I don't even think you charged the guy after you did the job. I didn't. I didn't. It looked worse after I got done than it did before. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is, I can't do this. <laughs> oh, well, we'll give it, we'll, we'll, I'll just put it away. Yeah, you put it in the, in the shed and, and just I left it, it the there. Shed. That I was said, it. Maybe I can use the box or something else. Yeah, that was, uh, that was yeah. funny. That was right. A vinyl repair. And that, so there, there, there you go, people. Listen to that. Papa V uh, tried yeah. something and it didn't work. Imagine didn't that. Work. But he didn't stop, right? right? Didn't stop. No, didn't stop. He went out and, and did something else. And uh, I also, I, I also away. cut wood and uh, uh, you know I worked all day cutting fifteen dollars worth of wood and uh, delivering it. And you know it was it was a lot of work. I look back at it and I say, man, I didn't make a lot of money. Uh, one time I, I went to a house and, uh, I had, uh, I had a load of wood on there and they, they said, no, nah, I, I can't give you 15. I, I give you $7. Oh boy. I said, Oh boy. I said, what am I going to do here? I don't want to take it home. So I, I, I gave him 10, but I didn't stack it. I yeah. dumped it in you your garage. It. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of got out of that business too. <laughs> that was a lot of, that was a lot of work. It's I said, of- I cut wood for myself. Yeah. It, it was a lot of work. And, uh, yeah. Uh, ju- ju- just to end on one more story, uh, <laughs> was the time, you know what I'm going with, right? Was it the, uh, the, the one where you actually, uh, brought a whole bunch of, uh, tin back? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I thought uh, it was one of these storage sheds and I, I, I thought it was aluminum because it looked a lot of more aluminum back then. Yeah. So like uh, your mother and I, we spent all day crack, cracking it up and breaking it and we put it on our truck and tied it down and I got the kids in the truck and I said, we're going to go down to, to the, the, uh, recycling place and sell it. And we're going to probably have probably 40, $50 worth of aluminum here. Right. So we get down there and the, get it on the scale and the guy comes out with his magnet and it goes clink. <laughs> and I said, Oh no, it's steel. Oh, I think I got $2 and 80 cents or something like that. And of course we had big visions of going to McDonald's that night. I think we're going to get sneakers too. And sneakers. I was going to get sneakers too. Yep. So we had, we had the money spent. Oh, had it, had it spent. Yep. But then we, then we had to settle to, for, we, we still went to McDonald's. I think we still went to McDonald's. We just didn't get the shoes. I didn't want to disappoint you. Yeah. I don't think we got the shoes. And then, and then to end on that funny story to make it even funnier, (laughs) then Jimmy and I, we mm-hmm. seen what you were doing, and we didn't know you didn't get a lot of money because you didn't tell us. 
right? But we seen you you taking metal and bringing it back. So we had this one hill that had a whole bunch of old mufflers and a whole bunch of old steel things. And we took our bikes and we wrapped rope around these different parts and we dragged them all to the front yard. And you got home from work and you said, what the heck are you doing? We said, well, we're going to bring metal back like you did the other day. And you said, no, you got to bring that stuff all back. It's not worth anything. If you want to find something, you need a magnet. And, you, and if it sticks, then, then it's, it's not good. If it doesn't stick, you're good. And, uh, we went back and we gave up on that thing. So that was my failure as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He had big vision, <laughs> big visions. I mean, we were towing these mufflers down the block with sparks flying oh, yeah. off our, I know, off the mufflers, I, know. I remember. And you had a, and you had a pile full of crap when you got home from work. Yeah, I know. All on my lawn. <laughs> All right, guys, we can sit here and talk for for hours about the failures uh, and the funny and things I, that we did. I got to do that. But uh, I just wanted to share this with you guys. Uh, get get my dad on here to have him kind of talk a little bit of through his stories to show you guys that you can even scale, uh, you know, an egg route. So uh, <laughs> and and all of the different things that you can do, uh, you know, whether you're starting this business or any business, and understanding that it does take hard work and hustle. So, um, dad, I want to thank you for, uh, taking time to come on the show. And I wanted to, uh, say here, thanks for being an awesome dad. And, um, I love you. You're welcome. And I love you too. Okay. So there you have it. A pretty good interview with my dad. There were some things there that I didn't even know that I learned from that interview. So pretty cool stuff. I hope that you, uh, that you enjoyed that. I hope that you, uh, can see that, uh, you know, you have to get out there. You have to hustle. There's never going to be a clear-cut path, but you do have to go out there and take some form of action. If you don't have the resources right now, there's no excuse to not at least just get started. And I think you can see that from uh, from his story and some of the things that he's taught me as well. So again, I want to thank my dad for coming on. I know he was a little a little standoffish. Didn't really know if you wanted. Wanted to go out there and do it because he he's not really much of a public speaker. I don't know where I really get that from because I don't think my mother was either. Um, so I'm not really sure where that came from. But uh, he will get talking if you get talking to him at an event. So if you do meet him at one of the events that I'm at, definitely go up and and uh, say hello to him. I know he had some uh, he had some uh, cocktails and some lunch with a few of the TAS listeners uh, when we were in Denver. So uh, he's not. I guess not approachable. He just, I don't think he wants to be up on a stage. Uh, so I'm not really sure where that came from. But anyway, hopefully you got value from that and you can just see that uh, hard work does pay off and work ethic and all of that fun stuff. So if you guys are thinking to yourself, I'm not really sure if I want to do this, that's fine. But at least understand that it's going to take hard work in whatever you do and you can make the choice. You can make the choice to decide what you want to do in your life. So that's going to wrap up this episode. If you want to download the transcripts or the show notes or any of that stuff that we talked about inside of the uh, the episode here, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 209. Once again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 209, and you can grab all those over there. And if I find any funny, goofy stuff to put up there, I'll do that there as well. And there's a couple of things I can think of that I'm going to try to locate, and hopefully we can find them there. There might be even a video there of me and a good friend of mine doing a little WWF impersonation there. I might go find that and plug that in on this episode. So if you want to have a good laugh, you might want to check out the show notes to this one, theamazingseller.com forward slash 209. All right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, I'm here for you and I believe in you and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.